right, so this is going to be um, experimentation here because I have a new microphone. And, um, yeah, so we'll see how that goes. It's it's kind of funny because I'm at school now, and I was trying to, you know, make, a, like I said, I guess like a, a studio or, I mean, it's pretty much a bunker here or a fort. Um, I'm literally underneath my bed. I got blankets and pillows everywhere surrounding me to try to make this, like, sound isolated. Um yeah, it's it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty cool, honestly. I feel like I'm like a, a kid again, you know, making my forts here. But uh, anyway, this is, I guess, this is how we're gonna do it um, to get good quality sound. No, like, um, noise in my apartment or or from above me if people's like feet are are stomping or whatever. So, well, I guess we'll uh, see how this goes. See how this sounds, and see if I'm able to actually, you know, put this out or just go back to using my headphones like I was using but anyway I made a mistake with the um amount of WTA events on Friday I said there was only one there's actually three of them I did not read a calendar correctly um I assumed every event both men's and women's started February 1st um leading up to the Australian Open there on February 8th but that is not the case. Um, I, January 31st was the start date for the two other WTA events. So I just wanted to make that note. Um, and yeah, I have all the, um, for those four events that I've already started, uh, two WTA, two ATP, um, I do have those prediction blogs out now on the WordPress account. Um, but an event I wanted to get to or I guess the event I wanted to get to was the ATP Cup that starts uh, tonight. And that is a um, competition between 12 countries. And it's not your typical um, um, points uh, event that you that you see in, in any tournament to where, say, the winner gets 250 points. And then if you're a quarter violence, you get a certain amount of points. Um, it's a little different. I'll get into that in a sec. But yeah, 12 countries, Serbia, Spain, Austria, Russia, Greece, Germany, Argentina, Italy, Japan, France, Canada, and then Australia is the wild card. Those teams are determined by the top 11 players basically in, in the world, and that's how a country gets a bid. So like Djokovic, number one in the country, in the, in the, um, in the world, is from Serbia, followed by Rafael Nadal from Spain, and then so on. Um, but yeah, the format, you have four groups, three teams, three countries in each group, and it's round-robin format in the group, and you have two singles matches and one doubles match per each, I guess, tie, um, if you want to call it, and um, whoever is the best out of their group moves on to the semifinals, eventually the finals, and then you have your champion. Um, the points, uh, like I said, are different, so it's actually based on um, where you are in the tournament. So if you're in the final semifinals or are still in the group stage and the opponent, um, the opponent's ranking that you're playing. So if I'm in the group stage playing a person who's 25th in the world or 21 through 30th in the world, um, that's going to be different. Or the points I receive if I win, that's going to be different compared to say, the finals when I'm playing a top 10 opponent. Um, and there's a whole chart that tells you exactly like if you're this player and you play that player, you win, and this is the points you're going to get. Um, 
so so yeah it's, it's it's much different than a typical atp tour event but it's very interesting it's kind of like the new davis cup the davis cup is the typical country versus country format but this is definitely um much more fast paced because it's best two out of three sets instead of three out of five sets at the davis cup so it's quicker it's a little bit more entertaining and um yeah it's actually worth points towards your rankings um when the davis cup is more of just for country and nothing more well and prize money obviously that's that's the um <laughs> the common element there but uh yeah so it should be very entertaining to watch starting uh tonight and um let's see moving away from that there was obviously a big trade that happened you had Matthew Stafford of the Lions go to the Los Angeles Rams. And then in return, the Lions got Jared Goff, two future first round picks, and I believe a future third rounder. And it's, um, I think, I mean, the Lions kind of won this trade because they're getting two first round picks from, from the Rams. And we'll see how good they are based on how, um, bad or, or good the Rams do in these next couple of years. But, um, but yeah, you're getting a young quarterback in Jared Goff, who's already been to the Super Bowl. Matt Stafford's obviously a little older, so the Rams are in a win-now mentality. Um, Coach Sean McVay, definitely in a win-now mentality. And, um, yeah, so we'll see how – I guess we'll see how it fares. The, the Rams' odds for the Super Bowl have gotten better, actually, um, going from um, – Goff to Stafford. Uh, we'll see how the Lions play now with Goff at quarterback. Um, but yeah, I think the, the, the interesting thing with this, so the Rams drafted Jared Goff in 2016 in the first overall pick. They are not going to have or haven't had a first um, round pick. Um, yeah, it's going to be until 2024. So they haven't had one since then, and they aren't going to have one until 2024. Um, just, uh, just something to point out there. And that's part because of the Stafford trade that the Rams just did. I believe Brandon cooks the trade there to get, um, him from new England is part of, part of the deal as well. Um, they traded for Jalen Ramsey from the Jaguars, I believe. So there's just a bunch of different uh, players that, um, are on the roster that have, um, yeah, that have come from trades. And um, sticking with football and and the, the head coaching um, searches, I think all the spots are filled now. Uh, David Culley is taking the Houston Texans job, and um, he says it's and this kind of relates to the whole quarterback search and stuff. But he says that Deshaun Watson is going to be their guy, and it seems like a lot of experts and and um, and news reporters regarding this, including. Um, the one and only Adam Schefter are saying that uh, that's not going to be the case. <laughs> Deshaun Watson will eventually get traded. I guess we'll have to see what happens there. Um, but <laughs> and then there was a press conference with uh, it was uh, Nick Sirianni, the the Eagles head coach, who I had mentioned in a in a previous episode last week, I believe. Um, but he had uh, a press conference um, for the Eagles, and it left Eagles fans um, not feeling too great about themselves. I would say uh, because he just, I mean, he basically just talked about the system or whatever, or 
the, the team system, and it, he was just definitely really nervous. Obviously, that's not going to translate to how he coaches the team, but um, yeah, there's not the best impression he uh, he made there. But uh, like I said, that shouldn't be too problematic for Eagles fans. I think they should get over that real quickly once they see, well, hopefully once they see good product on the field. So moving away from football, I want to talk about baseball and a deal that happened. I believe it was a trade. So the Colorado Rockies traded Nolan Arenado, I think, I mean, he probably is the best third baseman in the league. I mean, he's a, in his career. I think he was rookie year was um, 2012, 2013. But anyway, five-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glove, so best um, uh, fielder at his position, four-time Silver Slugger, and then a four-time Platinum Glove winner, so the best um, fielder in his league out of any position. He's done that four times. So just, um, and I mean, he, he, a human highlight reel when it comes to making plays at, at third base there. Um, just, a, just a ridiculous talent. And, um, yeah, so the, the move to St. Louis definitely makes the Cardinals uh, for sure a favorite in the Central Division because – I think they were just behind the Cubs last season in the regular season in the standings. And I think they hopped them now. Um, they, they pushed themselves further away from the Reds and the Brewers. And then the, the Pirates are kind of, the Pittsburgh Pirates are kind of irrelevant at this point. They had, I'm pretty sure they had one of the worst records in the league um, this past season in 2020 there. They were like 19 and 41, something, something not great. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I think the Rockies it leaves them in a spot to where they could be trading Trevor Story, who's um, I think he mostly plays second base or, or outfield, but uh, he he's a very good hitter for that Rockies lineup, and he could very well be dealt um, to to just a better a baseball market than than, than Colorado there. This was actually a very interesting weekend with college basketball because you had the Big 12 SEC Challenge there. and um, But, I mean, still, the, the top two teams that are standing out right now are Gonzaga and Baylor, who are both undefeated. Uh, Baylor is winning by a crazy large margin. Gonzaga is winning pretty handily as well. Um, another team that I saw um, yesterday – was Houston. They're playing SMU, Southern Methodist, in a game, and they won by like 22. But that team just um, plays such a unique style that that could be very uh, dangerous because it's um, a, a type of play that uh, most teams don't see. I think um, they're, they're, they're a very good rebounding team. They're able to force a lot of fouls. And uh, yeah, it could it could drive um drive some teams crazy. I guess in the tournament there, Houston's the sixth best team in the nation right now. Um, a very very good coach there. I believe if is it Sampson? Let's see. Let's look this up quick. Yes, Kelvin Sampson. I was right. How about that? Um, but yeah, Kelvin Sampson is a, is a future Hall of Fame coach, uh, no doubt. And um, he has Houston rolling right now, fifteen and one on the season. Um, so, yeah, so they'll be tournament ready. And a, a team I wanted to highlight was Oklahoma. 
who their last three games have been just crazy. So um, this is the team's, I'm going to say they're ranking when they played these teams and, and when they beat these teams for their last three games. So you had number nine, Kansas. They won that game. Fifth ranked Texas. They won that game. And then this past weekend, ninth ranked Alabama. They won that game. So Oklahoma is a legit team. Um, and they also beat uh, at the time, ninth ranked West Virginia. I don't want to talk about that too much, obviously. Um, and I don't want to talk about the fact that West Virginia also lost to Florida this weekend. I'll get to Florida in a sec, but yeah, um, Oklahoma, very impressive. I don't think they actually had a full squad. I think some of their better players were actually out with COVID or were in COVID protocol, if I'm not mistaken, could have been just normal injury as well. But yeah, I don't think they were fully healthy against that Alabama team either, but yeah, so just very impressive there. And, um, Let's see. Let's yeah. Let me go to Florida now because, like I said previously, um, Florida is going to be a sneaky team in the tournament because, like right now, they're not getting enough recognition. Maybe because they're playing in the SEC, which is a slightly weaker ba- basketball conference than the other conferences. And um, but yeah, once it comes tournament time, don't be surprised if you see some upsets from Florida and they make a deep run, say Sweet 16, Elite Eight, maybe even Final Four. But um, that's the quality of team that they that they are um, to where they can beat like West Virginia. Um, I mean, there's uh, there's probably all the results that I'm not thinking of. I'm pretty sure they beat Kentucky, but Kentucky's you know obviously not uh, not the the best this season. But yeah, I mean, Florida is just a um, is a team that, like I said, can can make. Oh, there we go. They beat Tennessee. That was the, that was the um, original matchup there. Um, I think it was like the January twentieth that I said that Florida. Um, basically, yeah, I was making the same points that Florida can make a deep run in the tournament, and it was because of that Tennessee victory there or the, the win over Tennessee. Um, so yeah, so it's. That's Florida is a, a sleeper team, I think, in the tournament, or at least it will be my sleeper team there. Um, let's see. What else did I want to? Oh, yeah, in Oklahoma, they play Texas Tech on, uh, well, actually tonight um, at, I think it's like 9 o'clock. So we'll see if they uh, beat another top 10 ranked team there. It would be four in a row. I wanted to shift to golf, and um, this was at the Farmers Insurance Open this weekend. It was actually the third round on Saturday where Patrick Reed, um, he um, I forget what hole it was on, but he hit it in the rough, which is now the rough is not the fairway. It's like a thicker grass on the side of the fairway there. And um, apparently the ball got plugged into the um, – I guess it was more of a muddy um, um, surface or, or whatever underneath the grass to where, yeah, the the, the ball sank into the ground there. But uh, apparently that that might have not been the case to, because the, ba- the ball actually bounced um, first and then went into the ground. So I'm not sure if it got plugged then, uh, but what whatever. Um, but people are um, – a little upset at Patrick Reed from this weekend because he just decided to go on and drop or give himself a drop uh, 
and give him a better lie uh, for his next shot without a rules official like uh, reviewing it beforehand. Um, so people were not too happy with that. And uh, he had a uh, rules violation back in 2019 at the, um, the Hero World Championship. And basically he was in his backswing, he was pushing sand away to give him a better shot and to give a ball a better lie um, in the sand there. And he was actually given a two stroke penalty here um, or, or, or there. But, but in this situation, um, he was not given a penalty. He ended up winning the entire tournament this weekend. Um, I think it was his ninth victory on the tour, on the PGA tour. So um, and he's, I believe he's back up into the top 10 now in, in, in the um, golf world rankings. So, um, yeah, this this thing didn't affect it, but uh, I think uh, uh, players and, and or former players slash commentators were um, were not too happy. Probably, um, well, most of, of them thought Patrick Reed probably should have waited for the rules official, but um, it is what it is. And um, yeah, so I mean, it's a reputation Patrick Reed has had since college, to where he's kind of tried to bend the rules a little bit. But um, but yeah, it, nothing, nothing, nothing happened there. He wasn't penalized, and um, yeah, life goes on. And um, in hockey, I, the, the one thing I wanted to get to in hockey was that Connor McDavid is, but just based on one highlight I saw, or just one game this weekend that I saw from him, um, the best player in the league, he got the puck at the blue line. Could have been. At, right at mid ice, but and then he just made maneuvers, uh, controlling the puck with his stick like like crazy, like making the other opponents there. I forgot what team he was playing. Was it the Maple Leafs? Could have been the Maple Leafs, um, but just making those players look like high school kids, and um, had a remarkable goal there. And he also had the overtime winning goal um, to give the Oilers the victory there. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, just give him the MVP now. 